Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Well, good morning, Christ Church. Y'all awake? Yeah, you seem pretty with it. It's good. You've, the eight, uh, 8.30 was pretty lively, but y'all have had more time to caffeinate, so we're good. It's great to be here with you on this World Mission Sunday. Uh, Stacy and I want to thank you for uh, just being our absolute best partner church in the whole world. Y'all are amazing. When we have an urgent, on-fire need in the Middle East, uh, my first and only call is to Henry. And uh, every time you just get it done. So we are so grateful to you. And, and our, yeah, you're amazing. Uh, and our, our hearts are to be um, a great return on investment for you. Uh, 2021, uh, in the teeth of COVID, was our most fruitful year in 20 years in the mission field. And, and our fruit for Jesus is your fruit for Jesus because we're, we're one team. Uh, we're at the tip of the spear in the Middle East, but you are the engine in prayer and support. You make it happen. And so these crowns uh, that we're building up uh, are for you to lay at the feet of Jesus. They're your, they're your victories too. Disciples and churches are, are multiplying across the Middle East. Uh, since we've last seen you, our team has planted more than 140 churches in Iran. Iran is the fastest growing Christian country in the world. We believe the population there is at least 10% Christ follower. Uh, last year, we baptized over 600 Muslims. And our psalm for this morning tells us, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And together, Christ Church, we are doing just that. Now, on this World Mission Sunday, we remember that 41% of the world still has no access to the gospel. That's over 3 billion people, but we're changing that together. There are still 149 uh, what we call UUPGs, uh, unengaged, unreached people groups. Some of these are huge. They can have upwards of 90 to 100 million people in them. That means that these people groups have never once been engaged with the gospel. And we started out the year with uh, 149 of them, and all the mission agencies got together, and about 150 of us, and everybody agreed that over the next couple years, we, we would all take one and try to get them all off the board in the next couple years. And I can tell you, our little team of seven of us, uh, we took four off the board this year. Completely unengaged people hearing the gospel for the first time. The challenge is that there is one missionary for every 405,500 Muslims on the planet. So Stacy and I together have 811,000 Muslims on our hands. Uh, only 3% of all missionaries go to the 1.9 billion person Islamic world. And actually our team, we have a target zone of 35 million unreached Muslims. Uh, our goal is to plant healthy churches from Tehran, Iran, to Latakia, Syria. And we want to thank you for being part of what God is doing in the nations right now. We are seeing the biggest move of God in history right now. Y'all know that? Do you hear that on CNN or Fox? 
Yeah, that's why we love coming back to the U.S. and sharing. We, right now, you are living at a time, the biggest move of God in history. And we want to thank you for sustaining us in the field and, and making it possible for us to be in the middle of the action right now. Um, we have a huge window of opportunity, but windows closed. But friends, the, the, the harvest isn't coming, it's now. We've been praying for the harvest for, for 20 years and working in the field. It's harvest time. Um, and prayer strikes the winning blow. Ministry is just cleaning up the results. So as you are praying and supporting, we're, we're just cleaning up the results of that in the field. So to help you with that, it's propaganda time. We have uh, our new fridge magnets to remind you to pray. Our prayer cards, please take one, pray. That's the most important thing you can do. Pray for God to keep moving. Pray for hearts to be open, eyes to be open, uh, laborers for the harvest. We, hmm? Yep, another unreached people group. And then uh, we have envelopes here. Uh, anything you put in there, 100% goes to mission and ministry. Uh, Stacy and I are allergic to overhead. Um, we, are, uh, we have no desire to be uh, well-known. We have no desire to be big. We just want to be effective. And so 100% goes to the work of the kingdom overseas in the Middle East. So we have a question this morning, friends. Uh, on World Mission Sunday, and it's an important question, um, the question of your life. And here it is. Here's the question for today. What are you living for? What are you living for? Now, if you haven't noticed, our, our country is in a, a bit of a mess. Is that news to anybody? No. Okay. You know, it's so crazy here when we come back to the U.S. from the Middle East. I want to turn around and go back to the Middle East where it's sane and rational. <laughs> it's just crazy here. And, and we see so much uh, fear um, and anxiety. And, and so many people are experiencing a, a, a joy deficit. It's lacking joy right now. And maybe you're okay but you have to know people who are, who are struggling right now. And, and this isn't God's heart, because we were made for joy. We were made for contentment in Him. And what we have to get is that joy and, and contentment and security all drive off what it is we're living for. You know, it's only in following Jesus that we can find real joy and true contentment, real satisfaction despite what's going on in the world around us. Uh, if you have a joy deficit, if you know someone who isn't living a life of joy, the answer is, the remedy is, follow Jesus. You see, Jesus wants our best. And so he says, because he wants our best out of love, he says to each one of us, follow me. He doesn't say that just to Father Henry or Father Jonathan or Father Steve or the vestry. Every single one of us here today, Jesus is right in front of you saying, follow me, because that's God's best for us. It's out of love, Jesus says, follow me. It's not a burden. It's not a, a list of do's and don'ts. He's, he's not a fun governor. You know, he's saying this out of love and, and wanting to give us life because that's what we were built for. It's what we were made for, to follow him. But what does that mean? That sounds not, okay, follow Jesus, but what does it mean to follow him? And that's the call on your life. That's what Jesus is saying 
to you right now today. Follow me. Well, it means to obey his word and do what he's doing. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So to be a follower of Jesus, you either have to be a goer or a sender. If he says to you, go, go. If your get up and go has gotten up and gone, you can send, right? You can pray and support, both here in Midland and in the nations. But we're called to do one of the two. And, you know, you might be retired, but there's no retirement from following Jesus. Your, your best days with Jesus can be right now. You have so much wisdom. You have so much life. You've earned your stripes, you know. You can do so much. It could be right now. Don't go quietly into the night. Go out in a blaze of glory. See, followers of Jesus live for advancing his mission in the world, in Midland and in the nations. Now, let's be clear on what the mission is. If we're called to follow Jesus, which means to pursue his mission, to do what he's doing, what, what's the mission? Like, what's the point? We need to be clear on that. Well, go to the heart of it. What was the good news that Jesus announced? What was the, he sent his disciples out to proclaim good news. What was it? What's the good news that, that you're to bring to Midland and us to the Middle East? It wasn't what's going to happen to you when you die. Jesus never talked that way. That was never his question. That wasn't a question anybody was asking in first century Palestine. That wasn't on anybody's mind. They, they had a question on their mind, a very clear, and they all had the same question on their mind. It's, it's when is God going to come as king? That's the question they were asking. When John the Baptist was out preaching in the wilderness and baptizing, he was drawing crowds from the cities. They were going, why were they flocking from the cities out to the, to the boonies to hear this crazy preacher? Because he was telling them, now is the time. We've been asking this question. Well, it's here now. He is here. See, this is the good news. The good news, friends, is that God promised that one day he would come himself, not a new Moses. He himself personally would come and lead his people out of captivity into freedom, a new exodus into a new creation. The king and his kingdom have come. That is the gospel. See, the kingdom is what heals all the brokenness in the world. It reverses everything we broke in the fall. The kingdom heals our alienation from God, our alienation from one another, and all that is broken in our lives and in the world. Think about it. Before Adam and Eve broke everything, was there sickness? Was there? Was there poverty? War? Injustice? Racism? Jesus has come to undo all of that. You know, what does that look like? When I was rector at our church in New Orleans, um, I had a couple in the parish. She was an oncology research nurse, and her husband had just been diagnosed with a super aggressive cancer and had been given weeks to live. And they came into my office to plan the funeral. And I just looked at him and said, hell no. We're not doing that. 
we're going to pray and fast. We're going to go to war. I'm not planning this funeral. I refuse to plan this funeral. And so the whole church had a fasting day, and we, we fasted every Wednesday for him. And one year later, he was declared cancer-free. Because sickness was an intruder in Jesus' garden, and we weren't putting up with it. He defeated that on the cross. We weren't tolerating it. We see Jesus' job description in this morning's lesson from Isaiah. The Lord anointed me to bring good news to the humble. He has sent me to uh, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim release to the captives, and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim a favorable year of the Lord, to comfort those who mourn. See, the, the kingdom is God's heart. It's God's passion. It's God's priority. Okay, do we get that? It's about the kingdom. It's about bringing his kingdom. That's the job description of followers of Jesus. And a kingdom always has three things. Now, follow me. The first thing it has, it has a pattern. In other words, when there's ever a, a new administration comes in, it has a new pattern of values, right? If a, if a football coach takes over a new team, the first thing he might say is, all right, boys, discipline. I know the last coach you had wasn't into discipline, but I'm into discipline. We're going to be into discipline. So any new administration is going to bring in a new set of values. The pattern, you get that? It's a flip of values. Okay. Secondly, a kingdom has a power, authority to implement those values. And then it has a, a product. That means the, the new coach is going to have an effect. So when the new coach comes in and he's into discipline uh, and puts his program in place, we're going to see, will the team win? The jury's still out at UT. Right. <laughs> I'm pandering to the Aggies today. <laughs> so Jesus lays out, and he's really clear, there are two kingdoms. There's, a kingdom, there's only two. We have two options here. We have a kingdom of darkness. We have a kingdom of light. And we're citizens of either one or the other. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. Which one are you living for? And how can you tell? So let's look first briefly at the old kingdom, the one Jesus is replacing. right? And then we'll look at what he's doing. We'll call the old one that he's pushing out the right-side-up kingdom. And his kingdom we're going to call the upside-down kingdom. And then we can tell, if we look at them, which one are we living for? So the old kingdom, the right-side-up kingdom. Again, as I said, every kingdom has a, a set of values. All right? We have certain things up here and things down there. These are good. These are good values. Right? These are our priorities. And then we have things we say, these aren't very good. These are the things we avoid. We together? Right? New administration comes into Washington. That's what the, This is good. This is bad. Okay. In the kingdom Jesus is replacing, here's what we have. What's on the top? What do we value? Power, comfort, security, success, recognition. See, it's all about the now. It's about us. It's the, it's the wisdom of the world. Do what we think is best for us at the moment. Protect and preserve self at all costs. Gain status. Be secure. And the power in the right side uh, up kingdom comes from self and what society tells us is good. And that changes all the time. California, I think, has eight genders now, right? <laughs> and the product, what it produces, is supposed to be happiness, but no one who chases the things of this world ends up happy. Because, you know, you just never can have enough. 
You know, you make a million dollars and then you see somebody who's got three and you don't have enough. And you make three million, you meet somebody who has 10 million. You know, your, your idols are always going to let you down. Is this you? A little bit? You were built for something better. There is joy and satisfaction in the kingdom of light, in the upside down kingdom. Now let's look at that. Following Jesus, new administration, new, new sheriff in town, means having a complete flip-flop of values. So let's look at the, remember where we're at, the, the pattern, the power, the product of Jesus' kingdom. The pattern. The pattern of Jesus' kingdom is a complete flip, a reversal of the values of the world. So in other words, as Christ followers, we're no longer controlled by the things that the world tells us are necessary. We're not controlled by power or success. We're not controlled by money or the need to be secure. You know, the kingdom, the kingdom of God never advances through people looking for security in the world. Our Iranian followers of Jesus, the women, if they are caught, they are raped and killed. Fastest Christian growing Christian country in the world. Their security is in Jesus. So that's the first mark of somebody who, who is following Jesus and living in his upside-down kingdom. These things don't control you anymore. And Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount that if we practice kingdom values, his values, his upside-down values, what do we get? We'll be blessed, comforted, unshakable, don't you want to be unshakable in this shaky time right now? We, uh, we inherit the earth. We are satisfied. We will receive mercy. We will be called children of God. Don't you want to be called the child of God? Doesn't that sound good? Yeah. All right. So it's a reversal of values. What's the power now? How do we get the power to do this? If Jesus was just an example of reversing the world's values... He would be of no power to us. He would just be a burden. You know, you say, oh, brother, I'm supposed to give this much. Oh, I'm supposed to give up these things, and I can never live like Jesus. I mean, the bar's too high if he was just an example. But he's more than a, an example who sets the bar impossibly high to reach because he went ahead of us and made this reversal possible. So why can Jesus say, you know, when you're being persecuted, you will be comforted because he was utterly abandoned. Why can Jesus say you will be satisfied because he was utterly forsaken on the cross? You can have this reversal because you have his reversal. He took your place. See, Jesus put you where he deserved to be before the throne of God, accepted, beloved. That's where you are, by the way, if you're in him. You are accepted. You are beloved. You can come before the throne of God. And he put himself where we deserve to be, which was cast out and forsaken. You see that? He went ahead. He did it for us. Followers of Jesus can be ridiculously generous because they say, well, my money, it's nice to have. My comfort, that's great. My security, nice. But I'm going to live for and like Jesus because of who I am in him and what he has done for me and the power I have in him. I am not controlled by these things anymore. 
So I can live in a way that the world considers reckless. You see that? The world's going to say this is reckless because it's upside down. And what's the product? What happens when we live for Jesus and his kingdom and have the power of the gospel in us? What happens, friends, is that people and communities and nations are transformed. I said at the beginning, the kingdom changes everything. It heals everything that was broken in the fall. We can go boldly to the least and the lost. We can risk our comfort and security. We can risk getting hurt emotionally because our priorities are Jesus' priorities. We go where he's going and do what he's doing. We can give recklessly because Jesus already gave all for us. What didn't he give for you? He held nothing back. If he held anything back, we would be hopelessly lost. He gave everything. We can't bring an upside-down kingdom living like people in the right-side-up world. Jesus and his kingdom are the good news. Which kingdom are you living in? Which kingdom are you living for? Can you tell by the values you are living by, by the power that's in you and the results you are seeing? Which one? The kingdom fixes everything. Our refugee camp, we work, one of the camps we work in are with the Yazidi people. They were the people uh, genocided by ISIS. They were the ones rescued from the mountaintop. Do you remember that? They were trapped on the mountain. We had to get them off this, the mountain and into the, the camps. And so they were, they were all brought into these refugee camps. And our camp was just the darkest place I have ever encountered in my life. We've been doing this for 20 years, and there are two things I can never explain to you. I cannot convey to Americans. One is nothing. We, we have no concept of what having nothing looks like. You just can't get your heads around it. We don't know what that looks like. The other thing I can't get across to you is what total hopelessness looks like. People just alive but not living just completely given up. That's what we inherited, and it was dark. But the followers of Jesus got in there, and you were a huge part of this. And we got in there and started doing trauma care and education for the kids and um, getting them off to college and university and food for the widows and praying for the sick. And, and I can walk into camp now four years later and just with my eyes closed, and I can feel the difference. There is laughter, there is joy, there is hope. About 40 of our orphans now from ISIS are in college and university. They're looking forward. And that's what the, what happened? Why does it, it feels different? The kingdom of God has come upon this place. And y'all have been a big part of that. Friends, here in the U.S., we need nothing more than a gospel-driven, spirit-led kingdom breakout. Agree? Let's do that one again. We need nothing more than a gospel-driven, spirit-led kingdom breakout. And the kingdom comes wherever the king is obeyed. See, it's not the, the word for kingdom in the New Testament is not a place. It's just wherever the kingdom, it, kingdom means wherever the king is being obeyed. So the kingdom comes wherever Jesus is being obeyed. Wherever Jesus is Lord and disciples are living under his lordship, there is healing and restoration. Doesn't our country need healing and restoration right now? 
Doesn't Midland need some healing and restoration right now? The curse of Adam is reversed. Everything we broke. That's why mission matters. Jesus' mission. Here in Midland and in the nations. Are you living for it? Are you living for it? You, Christ Church, you can be a center of renewal in God's kingdom here in Midland, in the U.S., and in the nations. And friends, let me tell you, you have everything you need right now. You, you don't need a consultant. You do not need a strategic plan. You do not need a better website or a great Facebook page. You have it. You have the message. You have the word. You have the Holy Spirit. You have all authority. How much authority do you have? All. all. You have all the authority of Jesus. Think about that. I looked at that word all up in the Greek, the original Greek. It's a really complicated word. It means all. <laughs> and you have the resources to drive the mission. That's all. You have more than you need. Our little church in New Orleans, in the wake of Hurricane Katrina when we were there, little tiny church, we ran the second largest, longest running relief operation for all of Hurricane Katrina on the Gulf Coast. In our, our little church, we had 40 members, mostly cranky old white ladies in their 80s. It was like a whole church of altar guilt. God love them. And they're fussy as could be. And we were in an all-black neighborhood that was 9 out of 10 on the violent crimes index. 90% of children didn't live with their natural parents. We were the first white clergy family to move in there in 65 years. Our median household income in our neighborhood was $10,000 a family. Our total church budget for the year was $60,000. Katrina hit. And the Harvard Kennedy School studied us for five years, and they concluded, reluctantly, that it was the church that saved New Orleans. And all we had was 40 cranky old white ladies, some shipping containers, a porta potty, and a generator. But we gave all, and Jesus, but we gave all, and we acted recklessly. We acted foolishly every day. I, I stomped into the trailer. We, were in a, we didn't have electricity for three years. And we were meeting in a trailer. And I marched in there one day and I just said, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to take all of our insurance money to put the buildings back and we're going to give it all away. We went through 200 gallons of bleach an hour for three years. So Jesus is on the streets. We're giving it all away to the community. And that's what we're going to do. Because that's what Jesus is calling us to be. And the church just blew up and became beautiful. We just acted recklessly. People thought we were foolish. Imagine, Christ Church, what you could do for the kingdom of God with what you have right here, right now. It just depends on what you're living for. Midland can do whatever Midland wants to do. I say that all the time. <laughs> Midland can do whatever Midland wants to do. What could you do? Christ Church, that just seems crazy and reckless to the world, because that's when the world takes notice. That's when we advance the kingdom, when we're living upside down, when we're living for Jesus, when we're living upside down and, and acting in a way that everyone around us thinks we're being reckless and foolish. That's when you know you're tracking with Jesus. Then you're on the right track. Again, you cannot build the upside-down kingdom with right-side-up values. 
Friends, proclaim the kingdom, manifest the kingdom, make disciples who make disciples. What are you living for? Live for Jesus and his mission. Do this. Make, make God's mission what you live for. And friends, you will be, as Isaiah said, you will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then you will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will repair ruined lives and cities. And what you'll find is joy, blessing, and satisfaction. Christ Church, Midland, the United States, the nations right now need you to step into your destiny and be a mighty oak of righteousness. The world around you, lives and communities and nations are just waiting to be transformed by God's kingdom. And it's what Jesus wants to do. Live for Jesus. What are you living for? Live for Jesus and his mission and nothing less. And it will happen and it will be absolutely beautiful. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.